Hi, I'm Scott Weatherford. Welcome back again to uh, First Baptist Church Wimberley Online. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope this summer has just been encouraging to you. It's actually been challenging as we talked about the direction of our hearts, the direction of our life, what our heart seeks and our eyes see and our devotion drifts. Uh, we're we're going to continue talking about these things over these uh, over these next two weeks, and then we're shifting in the fall how to live all for Jesus. So look forward to that coming up, and look forward to a life group starting, online life group starting this fall. Say, hey, I'm in. Raise your hand. Send us your email. We'll send you a link, and we'll get you in on a life group that you can uh, watch wherever you are, whether you're in Canada or Colorado or Maryland or, or Iowa or Costa Rica or wherever you may be that you can uh, you could join us in these online groups. You could be a part of the family, even though you don't live in the Wimberley Valley. If you live in the Wimberley Valley, you're always welcome to come and be here in person, or you can join online. It really doesn't matter as long as God is building your life that you may honor him. That is our existence statement. We exist to build lives that honor God, all for Jesus. So we've come out of a great experience with the prayer gathering last Wednesday night and the week at the wall, praying at the wall the week before, and we're ready to talk about this tough subject. Have you ever been judged? <laughs> well, yeah, a lot. In fact, I was in a restaurant the other day and talking to this guy and this waxed lady and her husband, and the guy was with him said, well, you got to be careful. He's a preacher. And she, this is what she says. Well, don't judge me. Like, okay, uh, the first thing you're going to say, I'm a preacher, don't judge me. And she says, I grew up Southern Baptist. And I went, okay, which even well, more proclivity to be judged. And I'm not talking about being judged in the legal sense of facing a judge in adjudication. Has someone ever made a judgment about you based on their perception, their opinion, or their own particular entitlement? Have you ever experienced their pronouncement with their judgment by them being distant from you, cruel to you, or other gestures toward you? Judgment hurts. Judgment hurts. Have you ever judged someone else based on your perception or opinion or your own entitlement? Have you ever pronounced your judgment through your actions? Have you ever been cruel or condemning or condescending or distance or have this attitude that I am really better than you? Really? Hmm. Well, I think the answer to both of those is yes. You have been judged and you have judged others. In fact, I like to judge. That's a bad announcement and a bad declaration and a bad admission. I need something to happen in my heart that will change the direction of my life. And Jesus comes along and he says, lose the judgment. But how do we do that? How do we stop doing what comes so dadgum natural to us? The truth is, it was when I judge you, I feel better about myself. Huh. I look down on you in order for me to be blinded by my own shortcomings. Huh. But is there a judgment piece that stands against social injustice, drifting morals, and bad practices? Is it okay to judge when things need to be corrected? If I call someone out on their bad behavior, am I judging them appropriately? Most great movements have started because someone has stood up against in judgment against some kind of atrocity. Should we not do the same? How does that work? Where does that go? 
not too long ago, I was summoned to serve on a jury, and I found I was found to be unacceptable. And it was really interesting. I didn't know why I was unacceptable, and I know the prosecutor. And so um, I was at a social gathering. The prosecutor was there, and I, I said to the prosecutor, uh, I said, so uh, you didn't pick me for the jury? And she says, no. She said, no, it wasn't me. I thought you'd been fine. It was the defense attorney who thought you were unacceptable. I went, really? I said, why does he say that? Because I was a pastor? She said, exactly. Because his defendant was an exotic dancer, and he knew you would judge her for her lifestyle decision. I knew you would judge her with a heart of compassion. That kind of hurts. Well, I was glad not to serve on the jury, just saying. But, wow, really? As a pastor, am I known for being judgmental and not being a person of mercy and grace and truth and hope and love and restoration? What's the deal here? What's the deal? In this passage we're going to look at today, we see that Jesus was addressing a group of religious elitism. He, they judged everyone based on what they, they sensed was righteousness based on their perverted interpretation. No one measured up to their standards except them, and everyone was beneath them. And he was inviting them to change their view of their eyes through the shifting of their heart, and he's doing the same thing for us today. So let's listen to what Jesus says, and let's, let's adjust accordingly, because I think you're going to find that if you're going to judge, there's some behavior parameters you have to engage. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us this morning, and I pray that you speak through me as we wade into this very sensitive topic that we're all really good about judging. And I thank you for what you're going to say, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's kind of funny. As I was praying, I was thinking, maybe some of you are judging my shirt right now, thinking, was that my my grandmother's curtains or her couch? Whatever. Don't judge. Lose it. Listen to what Jesus said. Don't judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard which you judge others. And do not measure, do not, and, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, here's a beam of wood in your own eye, hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. And don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them underfoot and tear you to pieces. What an amazing passage of Scripture. And we talk about the speck of, in the brother's eye and the log in your own, and actually that's Jewish humor, over-exaggerated humor. The speck being a small ceremonial infraction, and the beam means a huge moral dilemma. And Jesus says you're walking around with a beam in your eye when there's a speck in your own brother. Just stop it. Then he talks about pigs and dogs, and we'll talk about that in a second. But let's look at this kind of systematically. First of all, let's deal with forbidden judgment. Okay, What does he say, don't judge? Jesus forbids self-righteous, officious, unmerciful, prejudiced, condemning judgment based on human standards. What? Self-righteous, officious, unmerciful, prejudice, condemning judgment based on human standard. He says, you're not to judge that way. 
when we judge in this manner, it's because of three big misconceptions. And I want to give them to you. Here they are. First is a misconception of your false view of God. We forget that it's God's job to judge, not ours. Romans 14. Who are we to judge another, another's household servant? Before his own Lord, he stands or falls. And he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. But you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Are you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Oh, Romans 14, verses uh, 4 and then verse 10. James 4. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law but a judge. And there's one lawgiver and judge who's able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And it's based on that forbidden judgment that self-righteous, officious, unmerciful, prejudiced, and condemning toward others in a human standard. Oh, we judge based on our understanding and you don't know enough. We judge based on our preferences and your preferences are not perfection. I deal with this all the time as a pastor. Pastor, you didn't do what I wanted. You didn't sing what I wanted. You didn't preach what I wanted. The coffee is not what I wanted. The donuts are not what I wanted. I wanted this and I wanted that. And really? It's all about you? Or we judge without mercy or the power of life change? Whew. God can change anybody. Do you believe that? I believe it because I've seen it. God can change anybody. I believe it because I've seen it. And I know he can. Here's the second, we have a false view of others. We critique others based on our standards. Hmm. We condemn others based on our standards. Hmm. We think they, people are inferior because of their skin color or their culture or their language. Hmm. See, we have a false view of people. I, I wrote this and I, I want it up on the screen so you can see it. In ancient Persia, a corrupt judge who was accepting a bribe was ordered to be executed. King Cybelus had this judge skinned alive and his flesh made into a seat covering. The seat became the chair upon which all judges sat to render their judgments as a reminder of the consequences of perverting justice. Wow. Wow. I just got this false view. Am I going to have to sit on a seat of the skin of a perverted judge? No, I think I need to lose the judgment. Here's the last one. We have a false view of ourselves. A log in our own eye and a speck in our brother's eye. Some think that this is a big sin in ourselves and a small sin in others. And I kind of think that's what. Now, what it's saying is what it really means. We should examine our motives in our own lives before we can even start to step in to rescue or pass judgment in our brothers. We're all broken, and we should approach any kind of judgment with that knowledge, realizing we are all 
broken. And the problem is self-righteousness. Well, when can we judge? That's the question. And this has been interesting. I've had an ongoing conversation with some of you about this. They say, well, Pastor, don't I have the right to make a judgment on cultural matters or political matters or even behaviors of people? Yeah, you do, but when can you do that? Here's the, here's the caveat. When you're willing to be a part of the solution, where you're willing to rescue and restore, then you can judge. If you're just going to make a pontification from afar, keep your pie holes shut. But if you're willing to wade into the fray and make a difference, then step into it. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken by any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore with such a person with gentleness spirit, watching out for yourselves so you can you also will not, won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens in a way you fulfill the law of Christ. For anyone considering himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Stand against injustice, y'all. Stand against immorality, y'all, but be willing to be a person of rescue and restoration and only in love. About 20 years ago, a young couple approached me after a membership class and they said, Pastor, we'd like to become members. I said, great. But said, the problem is we're not married. I said, okay. They said, and the other problem is, I, I looked at them, I said, so when's the baby due? And they all both look sheepish. And, and I said, do you love each other? They said, yes. I said, do you want to get married? Yes. I said, well, let's get married. I didn't judge their condition. Because it's, y'all, it's too late to holler get when the dog's bit. But what I want to do was lean in and love and help them to have a new start. And you know what? I baptized both of them. And I've loved them as friends for 20 years. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Judgment would have been to exclude them. Love means you rescue them. Now, I've done this wrong a lot of times. But I can judge when I'm willing to be a rescuer and a restorer. But if I'm just going to condemn and throw rocks, I need to shut up. But then you go into the social justice when do I do that? Stand against evil. Make your voice heard, but do it in love. Don't do it with violence. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., it doesn't matter about your opinion of him, but he led a civil rights movement with the vein of love and restoration, not con condemnation. And he said, we are one people. The human race is the only race. Perfect? No, he wasn't but motivated by love. Mahatma, Mahatma Gandhi led an insurrection against the British forces in, in India with the same kind of passive resistance. You know what he said about Christians? That's what he said. He was a Hindu, and he said this. Um, you're Jesus I like, but you Christians I have a hard time with. Why? Because of judgment. What if the church was less known for judgment and more known for compassion and love and mercy? Not catering to culture, not giving in, not being permissive or being liberal in our theology, but being consistent in our love. What if we stood against evil, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, love never fails? What if we became those kind of people? Maybe we'd change the world. You see, Jesus has the final say. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, for they will trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Okay, what? What? Why, was Jesus, why did Jesus add that? 
You see, dogs were considered filthy and pigs were considered unclean and unsafe. Jesus was saying, don't waste your time on useless things. Don't waste your time on judging when it's not your job. Stop playing God and judging people based on your own understanding. Start loving people and being a person of rescue. Get real about yourself. Get your act together. Get your heart right with Jesus. And then live in such a way. Be forgiving and rescuing. If you do judge a person, do so with mercy and with a rescuing heart and rescuing mind. And don't waste your time on responding to divisive people. Man, this is, this is incredible. I'm going to give you a, few, a list here. Don't waste your time on nonsense, on divisive people. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, and quarrels and disputes about the law because they're unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first or second warning if you know that person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. Don't waste your time with divisive people. Don't waste your time with resistance. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust of your feet. And when you leave that house or town, Jesus said in Matthew 10, don't waste your time on false beliefs. When Saul and Silas and Timothy arrived in Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and to testifying to the Jews that were Jesus is the Messiah. And they resisted and blasphemed. He shook, the, shook off his clothes. He told them, your blood is on your heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Don't waste your time with hypocrisy. Playing a game. Be real. Don't waste your time by being anything but loving. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, Paul said to the church in Colossae. Hmm. So I don't need to waste my time, pearls before swine, giving what's holy to dogs, with divisive people, resistance, false belief, hypocrisy, and I'm going to always be loving. Right. Don't waste your time being unloving. Wow. This is a hard teaching. <clears throat> That's how I analyze this. I, I to come to the conclusion I need to make some adjustments. If believers would become more loving and less self-righteousness, the gospel would flourish. And Jesus would become famous. So I think I need to do this. I need to become like Jesus and live the judgment to him, not to me. I need to be loving. And when I do judge, I need to be willing to roll up my sleeves and be a person of rescue or keep my pile shut. That's what I need to do. What do you need to do? Do it. All for Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you that you spoke, you spoke to us with clarity about the log and the speck and the judgment and the, the pearl before swine. And God, do something in our hearts that changes the focus of our eyes. And thank you for this great sermon that you preached that brings so much conviction to our lives. We need you. We need the infusion of your Holy Spirit that we can live like you want us to live because we can't do this without you. Folks, with your heads bowed, some of you need to whisper this prayer as I pray with you every week that you might do this. Jesus, I'm yours. Give your life to Christ.
Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins and be my Savior. Come into my heart. I give my life to you. Did you pray that just then? Then welcome to the family if you did. Let us know. Raise your hand. Say, hey, I, I prayed this. Or maybe you need to come back to Jesus. Or maybe you need to go further with Jesus. Whatever you need to do, do it as we lose the judgment and we live all for Jesus. We pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. We're going to listen to this last song, and I hope this has been encouragement to you that to say, okay, I need to deal with myself and, and do it. Do it. Remember the other resources we have. And next week we conclude the Sermon on the Mount as we talk about the kingdom of God, living in the kingdom of God. And I hope you'll join us for that. Thank you again for your generosity. Keep giving that the gospel may go forward. Through your generosity, get this, we are feeding people in Cuba. Cuba is hungry. We got money to them, and within five minutes of money arriving, beans showed up to be bought. That's the global glory of God. God provided before the need was met. He had already prepared the way. So give out of generosity. Offer King Jesus.